everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some, well, it's a little bit of a corporate commentary or corporate update and market commentary. We're welcoming back Mr. Chad Peters, CEO of Ridgeline Minerals. Uh, <laughs> Chad, I just got to laugh because before we press record, uh, somebody came into your office, but I think we got to let everybody know. The Ridgeline Minerals office really is like a corner of a strip mall in Winnemucca, Nevada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're right beside a quality floors and paints and a car wash and a vision center. Oh, so it's unbelievable. Pretty classic. I mean, why why go into a high rise in downtown Vancouver when you yourself can own a beautiful piece of commercial land, uh, real estate in Winnemucca? <laughs> I wish we owned it. We only leased it. So. <laughs> oh. Do do you do you uh, do do you provide bullion for the payment? <laughs> he would probably take it at you to be honest this this guy's uh he's pretty savvy that way but no straight cash right now <laughs> all right well way to break the ice guys good job okay uh chad uh there's a couple of things you and i are going to talk about uh that really doesn't have much to pertain with Ridgeline minerals but you do have quite the experience uh professional experience in nevada so we're going to talk a little bit about this a recent piece of m&a news that that uh, hit the tape last week uh, but before we get to that news, I really, you know, let's get a quick update, you know, from Ridgeline. It's, uh, we got a big snowstorm here in the front range of Colorado. I think that same snowstorm uh, hits you guys there in Nevada. So uh, is it kind of put you, put you behind it all with, the, with drilling? Well, you know, unfortunately, we got hammered, uh, not as bad as you guys did. But, um, you know, we're we're probably on track for about what we had planned, which is getting going mid-April, late April kind of thing. But certainly getting a half foot of snow in the hills didn't uh, didn't speed things up for us. But, um, you know, we're in the middle of permitting multiple projects right now, revising our drill plans, et cetera. And we'll be ready to drill uh, Selena in April and get started on Carlin East in uh, late May or June. Uh, paperwork. That's why you geologists go to college. Good job. Lots of fun <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Really what you and I wanted to talk about, and actually I didn't want to talk about it, I want to ask you questions more or less, uh, <laughs> is really about the, the recent news of First Majestic acquiring Jarrett Canyon there in Nevada. Um, you know, this isn't necessarily a discussion about, you know, is it a good deal or a bad deal, but there are some implications regarding the infrastructure of Jarrett Canyon uh, that maybe maybe some speculators and investors in exploration and mining or maybe need to be aware of. And uh, you kind of brought this to my attention. I said, you know, that's really fascinating. So so share with, share with us the idea of what Jarrett Canyon holds as potentially an independent key to the state. Yeah, for sure. So, and just to, to even give it a little more context, you know, back when I started in Nevada eight years ago, it was new, you know, you had Newmont and you had Barrick. You had multiple roaster um, autoclave facilities for processing refractory ore. And, you know, if anyone made a significant discovery, there was a bit of competitive tension there, right? Because Newmont might want to pick it up, Barrick, you had multiple options for negotiating milling, de- milling deals. That all changed when Nevada gold mines formed. So that suddenly went to, um, you know, it was good for the state probably long term. You know, it, it optimized these mine sites and it made Nevada gold mines more profitable. But for a group like ours, you make a big discovery. You know, the only game in town was, a re- you know, was potentially really to go try to do a deal with Barrick or, or, you know, Nevada gold mines. But what was really great about Jarrett Canyon and kind of opens up kind of a little bit more of that tension again is um, it was previously owned by obviously Sprott Mining, you know, private entity. Clearly they weren't looking. They weren't, you know, they were really just focusing in on you know, mining 
Jarrett Canyon as it was, taking their cash from it and moving on. Um, you know, what I think that First Majestic brings in is not only is it a huge land package, it's 30,000 hectares, so it's a, it's huge. Um, tons of exploration potential for like 15 years, that project has been hand to mouth, right? Really just focusing on trying to optimize the mine site and the existing reserves. If for, you know, with that 30 million that Sprott brings in, I'm sure they're going to reinvest it back in the ground or at least a portion of it, hopefully make new discoveries. But it allows a group, you know, it opens up the whole state. It's within trucking distance of a lot of these, you know, key projects, both towards Long Canyon on the Carlin trend. Any group like ours makes a discovery. We're no longer necessarily having to go talk to Barrick if it doesn't work, right? Yeah. You can go talk to First Majestic. They're only running at 50% nameplate on the mill itself. So they have room at the facility to bring in outside ore. I just think it, it it brings a bit of competitive tension back into the state that was sadly missing over the last few years. So I think it's a really good thing for for small groups, you know, any small company looking in Nevada. Okay, so let's let, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, the free enterprise capitalist system. Here we go. Like, let's get some competition because that's really yeah, allows yeah. people to have options and get the best price for hopefully the best outcome. Uh, but for so take real quick step back. Tell us what this roaster mill is, uh, what type of ore is fed into this process, and what type of operations really would benefit. Right. And that's, you know, so the majority of ore originally mined, you know, for the last 30-odd years was was primarily open pit oxide, right? But there's a there's tens of millions of ounces of, of refractory ore, which is unoxidized uh, material. So usually it's higher grade. Um, it's usually deeper as well, and that's what a lot of the new discoveries in Nevada, you know, Four Mile, Gold Rush, um, you know, all these deposits, they're all refractory, so they need to be roasted or autoclaved. Now, what that means is you just, you're essentially taking what takes tens of millions of years for nature to do, and you're throwing it into an oven essentially for, for an hour and a half at super high temperatures, and you're essentially cracking that, that those refractory bonds within the, the sulfide ore that's clinging to the, the gold. And what it does is it oxidizes it. Then you can treat it with with cyanide, and it liberates just like you would on a leach pad. It force you know it liberates that gold from that. So um, it's the future of Nevada is refractory deposits. You know there's still good oxide discoveries being made, but the big big deposits, the four miles, etc. Those are those are all refractory. So new discoveries like what we're looking for at Carlinese, for example, or at Swift, um, those are 100% going to be refractory deposits. And to have a group outside of, of Barrick that can actually process that ore is huge. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you'd probably still end up wanting to do a deal with a group like Barrick, but not having to do a deal with a group like Barrick is a game changer. Okay. So it, it completely changes the dynamic of negotiations with Barrick, et cetera. So it's huge. Okay. So basically predominantly oxide gold projects don't need this type of Don't need it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if you're looking for a deep high grade deposit, um, yeah, you absolutely have to be going to one of these mill sites and they cost, they can cost four to 500 million on the low end okay. to build, right. And take five to 10 years to permit. So that's, you know, you need to find if you were, you know, at Swift, we'd need to find 10 million ounces to make it worth doing a standalone roaster probably. So only the top, you know, discoveries in Nevada would actually be worth building your own. Otherwise, you want to truck it to an existing facility. Well, don't sell yourself short. We'd love to see 10 million ounces, Chad. Well, we're trying. We're working on <laughs> uh, it. Okay, so with the Jarrett Canyon mill, so was it just – the Sprott never really – I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to say lease it out or provide other uh, inputs from, say, other other projects or other companies that could have used it. Is, was that just never an option? 
Well, I think, you know, it's, I, I can't, you know, it's tough to speak for Sprott and them, but, you know, just seeing how that project has progressed, you can kind of see, like, we, we approached them about doing a milling agreement with Cove, for example, back when it was with Premier, and, and it meant having to truck, you know, 50 kilometers past some barrack roasters and Newmont roasters. So economically, it didn't really make sense, but it was an option for us at, at, at Premier if we wanted to go that direction of, of trying to get Sprott and them to, to do the batch processing for us. But it can be really... Uh, it can be tricky, right? There's a lot of not every ore deposit, even if, you know, not all refractory deposits work well. And, you know, roasters can be tailor made for certain types of deposits. So it is a tricky process to get it sorted out. But one of the things that's a, I think has been a problem is there wasn't a lot of mill feed for um, Sprott to work with from outside operations because no one took the time, you know, no one thought it was, you know, no small groups would actually advance a ref small refractory ore body because they didn't think they could get it processed, right? So mm -hmm. what you might see now is, is you know, Kinsley Mountain, for example, that's like a million ounce refractory ore body over that uh, Pilot Gold discovered a while back. That's potentially within, it's a little far away, but it could potentially be trucked to Jarrett Canyon, right? So there's there could be, you could see more million to three million ounce refractory ore bodies going into a roaster like that and doing batch milling instead of not be, you know, otherwise it wouldn't be barrack sized, you know, barrack might not be interested in, in batch milling a million ounces. I mean, so, it, it may be fair to say Jarrett Canyon has never really reached its full potential, but I'm just kind of oh, curious that you're, you're shaking your head in agreement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of yeah. wondering as far as like a, you know, a business strategy, if first majestic and maybe uh, Keith Newmeyer is looking at a way of producing cash flow just based on, uh, this mill in itself uh, to help fund more exploration at Jerry Canyon. I mean, I you would think that that's maybe passing through his head. Oh yeah, you, I mean, when you—that's the thing. He can reach out to some of these smaller groups and and pretty much name his price, right? You know, kind of thing compared to you know as far as coming in and batch milling ore and stuff. So I think it's a it gives them a foothold in Nevada and they can start branching out now and looking at some of these. Like, what would make the most sense? I think for them is you know, or buy some of these assets, right? Like go and approach some of these smaller um, refractory ore bodies and actually try to do deals and, and bring those into the into there. And now they have a central milling facility they can truck the material to. What is so, the difference between refra refractory ore and say a sulfide ore? You know what? They're one and the same. They are, when okay. People talk, okay. When they talk about refractory and sulfide, you're talking about the same thing. Okay. Yep. There's your, a lot of ge geology lessons here on this episode, Chad. It's good to know. I mean, but we could only we could only get this you know really interesting idea and concept from somebody like you who's been in the state for you just said eight years. You know the players in here, so this is this is really a fascinating opportunity. There's probably a chance for arbitrage someplace in here. Well, yeah, and I mean, I saw the deal, and I was all I was you know a lot of people are like, oh my god, they paid so much. You know, First Majestic way overpaid for that. But I think what they were paying for is they're paying for a foothold into Nevada. They're paying for huge upside exploration upside at the project itself. And, you know, they use shares, which are worth 50% more than what, what they were worth in December, you know, end of December in 2020, right? So they saw a 50% bump in their share price and they used equity to per make the purchase. So, and they're being held by a long-term shareholder like Sprott. So I think, I think long-term it's going to turn into a very smart deal, but we'll see if they can execute on it and, and see it grow. Do you feel like there would be a, maybe there is a demand for new, um, permitted and built, uh, 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 mills, a uh, roaster mill, uh, in, you know, independent roaster mills like this, that, uh, you know, somebody with the right amount of money and the ability to get it permitted could build and actually provide service. 
I think there's a huge demand. There's there's a lot of areas of Nevada, including like down by Gold Bar and Eureka, that have been a hundred percent stuck to oxide production because there's no possible way you can economically. You'd have to be mining a hundred gram per ton ore to make it sense to truck it that far. If you were to get a more central milling facility, let's say down by Gold Bar and Eureka, it opens up that whole corner of the state. There's lots of exploration potential there, but no one goes after it because you know you can't mill it. So. Um, you know, I, I think, yes, I think at the same time, Nevada gold mines will do anything in their power to make sure that they're snapping up anything of any interest that could warrant building its own standalone mill to make sure that they keep that, you know, they keep theirs kind of, I wouldn't call it a stranglehold, but it kind of is, you know, they have a very strong monopoly in Nevada. And, um, I think that they would try to minimize bringing in, having another group coming in and, and building their own standalone. What about like down South, like in the bullfrog district? where they're starting to find more refractory style. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, Bullfrog's turning into such a big, you know, it's a way bigger district than I think a lot of folks really thought it could be. So um, that could certainly, you know, there could be, a, I think a central mill down there would be interesting, but that'll be more of a float, you know, that'll probably be a float mill, I would guess, right? So it'd be um, more, you know, you could do probably that type of ore, a mix of, of gravity um, separation followed by a float circuit would probably be adequate for the type of ore types you're seeing. Yeah. Huh, that's really fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I just think this is such a cool observation and uh, it shines a little bit more light onto that Jarrett Canyon, Jarrett Canyon First Majestic deal than I think maybe some people were looking at last week. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, it was it's an interesting deal. We'll see how it pans out, right? All right. Uh, well, uh, next time we need some market analysis from Nevada, we know who to go to. Oh, you've used <laughs> up all of my... That's, that's, that's the only good that's advice. That's the only good advice. All right. <laughs> that's uh, Chad Peters from Ridgeline Minerals. Uh, obviously, not only is he the CEO of Ridgeline doing some great work with that company and their projects in Nevada, but uh, just an incredible uh, encyclopedia of information from the state as well. Chad, uh, thanks so much. Have yourself a great rest of the week. Look forward to uh, catching up with you again. Yeah, thanks, bud. See you later. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.